I woke up this morning and I, I was singing um, James's song, You have adopted me into your family of saints. I just thought about that for a minute. I thought, God, you're so kind. You have unwritten all my past and you've unspoken all the curses that I said when I was afraid. And I just, as I just began to worship him with my own voice and just began to sing with him privately, I do this before I get out of bed in the morning. I, I, I like to take time right at the beginning of the day just to talk to him, to sing to him. He loves to hear your voice. doesn't matter whether you think you've got a great voice or not. He loves it. He made it. In fact, the Bible says your voice to him is sweet. Isn't that nice? You have a sweet voice. You can tell your neighbor, you have a sweet voice. Your voice to him is sweet. The Bible says your face to him is lovely. He just gets pleasure out of you. He really does. And I was singing this morning and talking to him. And, and I try to take those first few moments, those first few minutes too, just to be thankful, to give thanks for what he's done in my life, to remember his goodness, to, to, to worship him and realize, oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you. He is my best friend. I've been blessed with amazing relationships. I'm about to celebrate soon our 27th wedding anniversary soon. Uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful. I give, Tom's one of the things I give thanks for every morning. Thank you, God, for a good husband, beautiful family. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. But as I begin to give thanks and just worship him, I begin to realize, God, without you, I would be so lost. God, you are my life. You're my help. You're my ever-present help in time of need. And my time of need is all the time. And you are all the time there and all the time able to help me. You know, they, they, that old song, lean on me when you're not strong. Well, I tell you what, you can lean on God all the time. And he likes it. He doesn't get over it. He doesn't think, oh, there they are again, needing me again. He actually really enjoys being your help. It's just amazing to me. I just get so much delight out of the realization that there is nothing, not anything that goes on in our lives that he isn't confidently already on top of and able to take care of. And he's willing and ready to speak to us, to give us wisdom, to show us what the next step is. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So he actually encourages you to tell him everything that you're worried about and not be worried. And then look to him for help. Show me, what would you like to do? What's the answer, God? You, you know, you make a way of escape out of every temptation. You know the plans you have for us. You said that you make the path of the righteous grow brighter and brighter, that you're a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. So, Father, thank you. Show me the light. Spirit of wisdom, I come to spend time with you. I want to fellowship with you today. Just as it says in the book of Proverbs, that the wisdom beckons us and says come i've prepared a feast come and eat with me we can go and eat and spend time with the holy spirit every day talking to him and the more we look to him the more we ask him the more we understand the more help we ask for the more help we get the more wisdom we seek the more we receive the bible says if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask 
Father said, God, I'm your helper. It's my name. Holy Spirit, that's my name. Helper. I want to help you. Ask and I'll give you wisdom. And so in the mornings, I just encourage you, take time to fellowship with this one that is better than anybody you could ever, 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 ever have in your life. Because when you've got him, you've got everything. Amen. Our wonderful Jesus. Well, I want to read some scripture to you uh, tonight and, I'll, and share some things that I really feel the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. I am, I, I am his, and he's smarter than me, so let's hear what he wants to say. Father, we thank you. God, we are so grateful for your kindness. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for your consistent love and your amazing faithfulness. Lord, I ask tonight that you would stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. As I walked in the door tonight, I heard a testimony. Um, where are you? Come on up and tell us. Tell us what happened. This is cool. I love hearing healing testimonies. Who likes to hear healing testimonies? Come and share. Come and share. This is so good. Okay, um, so it was last week when Pastor Catherine was just releasing healings, and um, I had problems with my ear for like months. Um, it was so painful, and um, I had ringing in my ears. And then um, Pastor Catherine just said, um, God's healing an ear right now. And I'm like, oh, with faith, I'll receive it. Um, because sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I'll wait for you to call me out and say, I'm going to heal you now. But I just received it in my seat with so much faith. And now I'm completely healed. No pain in my ear. And I can hear properly. So that was instant. It instantly happened. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Yeah, it just happened. Yay, God. That's so wonderful. I love hearing stuff like that. I'm, um, I'm currently at home. I'm recording an audio version of Living in the Miraculous, um, my first book. And um, it's been a really interesting process, actually, uh, rereading through the book, uh, reading it out loud, and remembering again the miracles and the testimonies. Uh, just reading about um, uh, a time we were in, uh, the team, I, I went with them um, down to King George Square. I know Roland and, and Nathaniel and I think maybe Chris, I can't remember who was there that night. And um, some of the testimonies about the miraculous hand of God as he would move, as we'd go out on the streets just to share the love of God and what he would do and to remember the miracles, the healing miracles. You know, it's so important to dwell and feed on the faithfulness of God. And it, it just brings me even, even into a greater awareness of his kindness and his willingness to be a blessing, his willingness to love people and help people. I remember one night we were um, talking to a fellow who was out there. His, um, he had a young family and they were homeless and um, just as we were sharing the gospel with them and, and asking, do they have prayer for, need prayer for anything? And he, he had a terrible pain in his head. He'd been in a, a bad accident many, many years before and had actually been in a coma uh, for almost a year when he'd had the accident. But years later, he still had ongoing pain. 
but he didn't ask for that. He asked for his family, for somewhere for them to sleep that night. Could you pray that God will give us somewhere to sleep tonight? And literally as we were praying, in the middle of praying for that request, Lord, help provide somewhere for this family to sleep tonight. As we were speaking, a guy walks up and he says, do you need a place to sleep tonight? Literally as we're standing there praying, do you need a place? And he says, yeah. He says, you got a family? Yeah. And they were from the, I think it was the Wesley Mission. They just come, they were driving around and they, they stopped and they were just saying, we're, we're just looking to see if there's any families that need accommodation tonight. Wow. <laughs> as, we, as we were praying. And, and the, the guy was so overwhelmed. He's like, this can't be a coincidence. And we were able to share the love of God and that, that and, and God just backed us up with a demonstration of his goodness. And we prayed for his healing and all the pain left. And God is, God is so, so good. He's so kind and he's so wanting to reveal his love to the world. And uh, so I want to share a little bit about the heart of the Father to be in relationship with us tonight and how, how much his heart is leaning toward people, looking to reveal himself. Romans chapter 6, hallelujah. Romans 6, uh, and I'll start at verse 16. It says here, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Our wonderful God. He is so good. And I was just this week, I spent a couple of, a few days um, with my friend Kelly in Tasmania. It was her birthday. We've been friends since I was, four, since we were 14. Went to Bible college together, went through youth group together. And um, she's single, has been her, her whole life. And she just asked, could you spare a couple of days to come to Tasmania? So I went, I can make it work. We can do it Monday to, to Thursday. And um, so we went down there and I was, we, we had a lovely time, a beautiful place, amazing coastline and just beautiful flowers, roses. Oh, I love roses. They're so beautiful, big and beautiful. And, you know, it was beautiful to look. And as we walked through some gardens, I'd think, oh, God, you are so creative. Or, or look at the coastline and think, you just, you're so amazing, God. You make so much beauty. What must heaven be like? So amazing. But then we, on the last day, we, um, 
We also went to a, a jail where the convicts were kept in the early days when they, during the first settlers in Van Diemen's Land. And we went to a women's jail uh, where the convicts were kept. And I saw a little room where uh, the women prisoners who were being punished would be put into solitary confinement. And it's a little dark room with no windows, with a leg iron on a hard floor. And for a moment, I just actually, I don't know whether it was because it was a women's prison, for a moment I actually let myself realize what that might be like to be chained up in a dark, tiny, tiny little cell with no windows, nobody to talk to for up to 30 days, given bread and water and nobody speaks to you for, for that time. You're kept in the dark, chained up on a hard floor, no mattress, no pillow. And we think, oh, that would be awful. It would be really hard. But as I looked at it, suddenly hit me. I thought, you know, that, that's awful. But, and many of them went mad just in solitary confinement like that. But at least they would have something to possibly look forward to. Perhaps getting out of solitary confinement or the next bit of bread or even sleep if they could get it. And then I thought to myself, there are people today, every day, going to a place worse than that forever, where there is nothing to ever look forward to, where there's no hope of possibly escape or freedom and it, it, it struck me and really just hit me very hard I thought it's not something people like to talk about it's not something we like to think about it's because it's it's so unfathomable it's so unthinkable that people go to a place where there is no hope where it's worse than being chained to a wall on a hard floor, far, far, far worse. And yet we, we don't tend to think about it because it's unpleasant. We don't like to talk about it. But, you know, as I looked at that little room and I thought about that, I began to wonder if we really believe the Bible, if we believe that Christ came so that we could be in relationship with him, so that we could be set free and have everlasting life with him and his place, in his, in his heaven. Or we can reject Christ and go to a place of unspeakable pain that never ends. If we really believe that, we would live differently in the way that we viewed everyone else around us. We'd get desperate, actually, to tell people the good news of the gospel. See, when you look at the, the word of God, you read it. You, you read the book of Revelation. It, it's very clear 
that there is a place that those who reject Christ, those who choose not to believe on him, go to the lake of fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. You think, well, you know, hang on, this is really heavy. Yeah, it is. But we don't think about it very often because it's so heavy and it's so unpleasant. But you see, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to be able to see clearly so that we can love the way that he loves. People say, well, how can that be? How could God let people go to an awful place like that? Well, Scripture tells us very clearly that that God doesn't send people there. It was never the will of God. In fact, the will of God is made clear in the word of God, which is that he desires that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life with him. Hallelujah. For the joy set before him, he went to hell so that we didn't have to. Hallelujah. He made a way. It's his desire that no one would ever go there. But the Bible tells us, just as we read here in Romans 6, that you're a slave to whoever you choose to obey. That is light or darkness. And so for those who haven't come to the the place where they've said, Lord, I want to surrender my life, lose my life to find yours, they are automatically under the lordship of the one who is the ruler of the world. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, they obeyed, they chose to obey the serpent, the deceiver, the devil. And in so doing, became slaves of sin. He was a type of Christ. And therefore, everyone then that was born, was born under the lordship, small l, of Satan. The ruler of the principality of the powers of the air. He he became the Lord over the earth. And everyone was born under the lordship of him. Yet the Lord, the true Lord, the name above every other name was there. Uh, and he had a plan to bring people back to him. Hallelujah. And that was to come in the form of a man, send his son to die in our place so that we could be redeemed. It's the wonderful good news of the gospel. It's the reason we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus came to set us free. But this whole issue of lordship is an interesting thing. You know, you can read elsewhere in scripture where it says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those that know him. He says, Depart from me, I never knew you. It's obviously this lordship is more than just a theoretical thing. It's a relationship. It's about knowing him. And when you look at lordship, it's, it's, it's much like a picture of marriage. Scripture says that, in fact. He says that marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. And so in a marriage, when you get married... You lose your old identity. I lost my single identity. I used to be Catherine Hounslow. Now I became Catherine Renala. Hallelujah. And I got then to live where Tom lives. I got to live with him. I got to be with him. And I live with him for the rest of our married life. And that's what it is. When we 
lose our identity as sinners by receiving the grace of Christ and we get adopted into the family of saints. When we receive by faith the grace of God, the righteousness of Christ, the power to be free from sin, as we receive pardon for sin, freedom from shame, and a new identity, we become joined to God, part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Yay. That's where you can celebrate. So happy. Yay. Part of the body of Christ. What can separate us? And he's such a gracious Lord. You could sin 70 times 7 and he'd still forgive you. You sin and your heart goes, oh, I hate sin, which it will because your heart no longer likes sin, doesn't want sin because you're not a slave to sin anymore. Hallelujah. Even if your heart then condemns you, he says, I'm greater than your heart. Come here. Let me tell you the truth about who you are. Let me show you the power that I've given you to behave uh, like me. You were created in my image. This is who you are. This is your freedom. This is your identity. This is the right. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. He's so good. He, in fact, he says his burden is easy. His yoke is light. He's not a, a, a hard taskmaster being married to him, being part of him, being joined to him. Is the most glorious thing. It's life and life everlasting. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wonderful, wonderful God. But then life without Christ is a whole other, a whole other reality. You see, without Christ, you go to be forever with the one who is the other Lord, small L. We have to realize that this isn't just some story. As I was talking to my friend Kelly about it, I said, why do you think it is that Christians don't run around absolutely desperate to tell everybody the truth of the gospel, to rescue people. If we really thought about it, if we even let ourselves think about it for 60 seconds a day and let it actually impact your heart, the reality of what this really is, you would be moved to do something, wouldn't you? You'd be moved to pray. You'd be moved to share the gospel. You'd be moved to tell somebody. You'd be going into the old people's homes. You'd be telling people everywhere to to rescue them. If you thought, I've got the choice of, you know, watching a whole series of Netflix or going and rescuing somebody from, from eternal death, you'd be making that choice. But the reason that we don't is because we don't think about it. And we don't think about it because it doesn't bear thinking about. It's a lot like atrocities that we hear of around the world. And in the world, you get a taste of how horrific hell might be. But it's only a a taste of what happens in a place where there is only darkness, ruled by the one who is pure evil. But we we can read about it, we can think about it, we can hear about it, and we can go, that's terrible. And we can tell even our friends what we've read. And I mean, the news likes to tell us all the bad stuff. But then after we've heard it, 
We compartmentalise it emotionally, mentally, naturally, because our hearts can't bear that continuously. So we go, right, that's terrible. We judge it. We say, that's terrible. Oh, that's a terrible thing or that's a terrible person who did that or whatever it is. We, we make a judgment. We put it in the compartment and then we, re- we also decide, but it's not directly affecting me right now, so I'm not going to think about it. And that's a natural thing to do. It's a coping mechanism. But the Bible says don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we as Christians often do the same thing with eternity. We go, oh, oh, yes, that's terrible. Let's think about something else. And yes, we should be thinking of things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. But we need also to maintain an eternal perspective, to be thinking about heaven, to be thinking about the heart of the Father, to have his little ones with him, to have those that he's created in his image with him forever, to bring to him the reward of his suffering and to love people enough to not let them go to a place that is more awful than any of us have probably ever taken opportunity to think about. It's not a message I like to preach. It's not something I like to talk about. But I tell you, my heart cries when I think about it. And it's good. Because it makes me refine my focus and realize and remember what do I want to do for the rest of my life? How do I want to spend my life? In whatever I'm doing in society, whatever you're doing, every day God has placed you in a place where you can be the light of the world. I realize that prayer makes a massive difference. I've just been so amazed, even recently, um, I shared it not so long ago, that I heard another story. I've had now four people who I know reach out to four of my unsaved relatives, not knowing that oh, one of them knew, but the, the other three of them didn't even know they were related to me, but felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with them. These are relatives I was praying for. Unsaved relatives have been had the gospel shared with them by somebody I know. One in England, one in Carindale Shopping Centre, one in the city, one in Cambodia. Amazing. And you think, that's incredible, but that's the ones I know about. What about the ones I've been praying about that I don't know? about yet when you start praying for an unsaved friend neighbor relative workmate don't think that it's doing nothing what's happening is god is putting a highlight on them and setting in motion things to happen divine setups that they might have the opportunity to hear the gospel but the other really cool thing is I mean, four different people have shared with four different relatives of mine 
And they were used to be the answer to my prayer. You know, when you step out of your comfort zone and you go and love on somebody else, when you love someone enough, care about someone enough, like Scott did the other night in front of City Hall. Sorry, Nathaniel, it wasn't actually a church at City Hall, but um, that's so cool that he'd stand up and, and preach the gospel. Why, is that, why do I get excited about that? Because that is... That many more people, another thousand people who have had the opportunity to have a seed sown in their hearts to think there's more to this Jesus thing than I heard about. To begin to think they have had the opportunity and that seed, you know, the word of God sent forth will accomplish what it's sent forth to do. It will not return to him void, the scripture says. So you can sow the word of God, and it will not return to him void. It, it, my calling is to get the word out through media and through um, uh, books and through television. And I go, yes, now it even becomes clearer. The more I think about heaven and hell, the more my calling becomes clarified. Yes. This is my mission. I want to get the message of the gospel to as many people as I possibly can while there's breath in my body. This little life that's like a breath, if I can use it to see that many more rescued and saved. Ah, that's a life well lived. I thought about it. Um, I was thinking about it even again this week. I, you know, my parents were divorced when I was four. And I didn't get to spend my life growing up with my father. I'd get to see him a couple of weeks a year when we'd go down to visit because he lived uh, in Condoblin while we lived in Brisbane. And so I didn't get to grow up with him and I you know, haven't had, had a lot of time with him. Even over the years, haven't had the opportunity to have a lot of time. I adore him. But the times that we get are quite limited, small times. But I keep reminding myself, God... I've been praying for him since I was six years old. So long as I get eternity with him, God, God, you know I've been praying for his salvation. God, I'm asking so long as I get eternity with him. And, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to begin to think with eternal perspectives. What's it going to be like? To, what's, what's eternity like? If you think about it, this, this incredible life, this amazing world, how people can think that it happened by accident is just beyond me. I don't believe deep in people's hearts that there can't be some sort of thought that this has got to be more than just some random accident. It's too glorious. It's too amazing. And it's just a dim shadow of what heaven's actually going to be like. Our wonderful God. And we must be careful to tell the truth, the good news of the gospel, because people might say, well, how do you know that that's the truth? Well, you think about it. This, this Christmas season, we're celebrating a man who lived for 33 years and died the death of a criminal. And we're still talking about him today. He is the most famous person on the planet. 
And his name is being talked about. There are people who keep talking about how his his name has changed their life. We're seeing miracles. People healed of cancer, deaf ears opening, blind eyes seeing. We're seeing amazing things happen in the name of this Jesus. And this same Jesus is empowering you and I to go and be the light of the world, not so that we feel good about ourselves, but that we might make an eternal difference. Amen? Wonderful Jesus. Some people worry, and I used to worry, before I really understand, understood the good news of what the blessing of salvation really looked like. I'd worry about, am I going to make it? Am I going to get there? Am I, have I committed the unpardonable sin? I went through a little season, I think, when I was about 17, and I thought I must have committed the unpardonable sin. I don't know how or when, but maybe I did. And I think, oh, what if I did? And, you know, I was so distressed. Anybody ever go through that? Oh, God, I was so worried. I was, I was so worried. I told my youth pastor, I think I must have committed the unpardonable sin. Because I thought someone doing something that they said it was the Holy Spirit wasn't really. And I don't know if I think I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, if you're that worried about it, you haven't done it. He said, yeah, that shows that your heart actually doesn't want to sin. And yeah, that's true. And it's true. When we've been born again, our heart doesn't want to sin. And if you do sin, you feel terrible. The reason you feel terrible is because it doesn't fit with who you've become. Because it's no longer part of your life. It's a foreign object that's muddying up your beautiful white dress. God's made you clean and you don't have to get saved all over again every time you sin. Hallelujah. But repentance means that your heart goes, yuck, I don't want to do that ever again. I don't want to do that ever again. And the, the wisdom then says, go and look to the one who wants to help you. God, help me. What's the way of escape? So when next time I face that temptation, I don't fall into that trap. Help me. You're my helper. I trust that you're my helper and that you're going to show me what to do and that you've given me power so I'm not going to fall into that trap again. Help me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your help. Thank you that I'm righteous. Thank you that I'm clean. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that you forgive and that I'm clean and I'm whole and I'm not condemned that you are a kind God, that you're a kind Father, that I, I, I haven't earned my salvation by my performance, but I've, oh, I've been given it as a gift because you're good and I love you. Hallelujah. God wants us to take this message because sadly the message has been so distorted. It's been distorted into an idea that you have to then measure up to some set of rules in order to get into the, the pearly gates. You don't have to measure up to a set of rules or a standard of performance. But you have to simply let your heart be impacted by the 
the sacrifice of Christ and respond in humility, saying, I need that mercy. I've sinned. I need forgiveness. And I believe that you, that you give it to me. I believe that you have taken my punishment, that you became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. By grace, we are saved through faith. Meredith knows her Bible. I'll say it again just so you can get an opportunity. By grace, we are saved. One more time. By grace, we are saved. That means you've actually got to believe in the grace of God to be saved. Did you hear that? You've got to apply faith in the grace of God when your heart says, terrible, rotten sinner, you're going to hell. You have to say, I believe in the grace of God that's greater than my sin. Hallelujah. I believe in the kindness of God. I believe that I am not condemned, but I am forgiven, that I've given power now to repent, to change my life, to change my thinking. I thank you, God, that I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not defined by what I did. I'm defined by what you did and who you are, and I am free, and I'm clean, and I'm loved. And even if my heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. So, Father, thank you for your help. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to speak to you. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to look at your word and recognize it's a mirror, not a measure that I have to to line up with. That I'm defined by your goodness. I'm defined by your kindness. I'm defined by your righteousness. And you're really righteous. You're perfectly pure. And you say, now that's my identity. (sighs) That you are patient and kind. And therefore, I am because as you are, so am I in this world. That's really good. That takes faith when you've just sinned. When you've done something wrong, you have to remember that it's by grace you are saved. We're going to get there. That it's by grace you are saved. You must apply faith every time. The enemy wants to whisper to you and say that you're rejected, that you're not accepted, that you should be afraid. He wants to be your peace. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. That was the announcement of the Savior coming in with his glorious master plan. Hallelujah. The revealing of the wisdom and the mercy and the kindness of God was announced. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. You can have peace and assurance of salvation when you say, Lord, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. That he he became sin so I could become righteousness. I acknowledge my need for your mercy and your forgiveness. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. I receive your spirit. And by faith, I receive your grace to be transformed into a new creation by your goodness. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. That he died. That he rose again. And that today... I am made clean. I am made righteous. I'm accepted. I am loved. I am no longer identified as a sinner. I've become a saint. I've become as he is. I now have power to be a slave to righteousness. And my master is so kind. 
my Lord is so faithful. My Lord is so good that he delights to lift me up. He delights to see me do greater works than he did when he walked the earth. His pleasure, his good pleasure is to give me the kingdom, to bless me, not to harm me. This is the one that I choose to serve. Hallelujah. When you remember who your Lord is and you remind yourself who he is, then you begin to fill up with his light and with his hope and with his joy. When the enemy comes and he tries to remind you of, his, of your sin, begin to remind your soul of your Lord. Ha ha, thank you God. I am not a slave to sin. I am no longer under the lordship of him. He has no right even to speak in my presence. I am under the lordship of the one who is kindness personified. Who laid down his life for me. Who loves me. He doesn't get fed up with me. Doesn't get tired of me. Doesn't get impatient. He just loves me continuously. Always hopes. Always believes. And then take a moment to think about who I could share that love with. Who I could share that hope with. We have the hope the desire of the nations. We have this hope, this treasure within us. And we have this life that's like a breath. It's little life, maybe 120 years. It's like nothing compared to eternity. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to go and take hope to those who, if they don't, Respond if they don't hear, if they don't believe, will go to a place where they will have never again any hope. I want to be the one who brings the message of hope to people, and I pray that the Holy Spirit and I believe, I really believe, even as Nathaniel got up and shared the announcements and spoke about that tonight, and the word that Nick brought prophetically tonight, I believe this is the word of the Lord tonight for us. It's not a message I get excited about sharing. But I know it's the word of the Lord for us because he wants to use you to change lives for eternity. Amen. Let me pray for you. Papa, we love you. God, you're so kind. You are so faithful. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us a revelation of eternity that you would help us see clearly. Lord, that you would help us live free, that you'd help us live in perfect peace. As we say, stay our minds on you, Lord, that you'd help us see from an eternal heavenly perspective. Lord, that you would help us feel and know your heart for those who are lost. Lord, I'm asking, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into the harvest field. Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would move with a, a Holy Spirit movement. Lord, that you would move on the hearts of your people, Lord, to go, to love, and to take the hope, the treasure, the glory that is you to those who need to know you. Father, we're asking, Lord, that you would bless our labors in the field. 
that many would be saved and healed and delivered. Thank you, Father. You said whatever we ask according to your will, we can have. And you made it clear it's your will that none should perish. God, use us. Let this city, Lord, let this nation, let those that are hearing, God, let their places of influence, Lord, be saturated with the truth of the gospel that not one would be left not knowing, not hearing the truth about who you are. Father, we ask for grace to communicate. We ask, Lord, that you would stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles. Lord, that you would anoint your people to preach the gospel with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. (laughs) Father, I thank you, Lord. Wow. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving afresh. I can, there's just a, (laughs) there's a cloud of, there's a cloud of his glory just moving in right now. And there's a, (laughs) we're moving into a sovereign season of revival. It's so that we might be anointed, even as, even as Nick was speaking about destiny tonight. The Holy Spirit is unlocking destiny and freedom. And it's your destiny is to be the bright shining lamps that you were called to be. Wherever you were called, into whatever mountain you're called into, into whatever sphere of influence, God is anointing you afresh with a spirit of revival, a spirit of wisdom, of revelation. He's anointing you with power. Oh, I, the Holy Spirit is going to—it's uh, just anointing people here with a gift of faith that are going to move in miracles and signs and wonders like they haven't yet even imagined. Just as the Lord just backed us up that night with that man... <laughs> As we were praying, while the words were still coming out of our mouth, you were answering the prayer. The Lord is going to back people up as you step out and share the gospel, as you pray for the sick. Things are going to happen. Miracles are going to happen before you finish praying. He is going to back you up. There's a move. There's a move of the Holy Spirit. Wow.